Well, wouldn't you know it that Father Stephen left on his sabbatical and left me with this first Sunday the obligation um, to address what is probably one of the most controversial texts in the whole Bible, our, our second reading about the promise to submit and the call for wives to submit to their husbands. This is a delicate subject, isn't it? So. I, I, I can't help it. I remember years ago when I was serving in, a, in an Episcopal parish in Philadelphia, um, I was getting ready to do a wedding for uh, a lovely couple. She was graduating from Bryn Mawr College, and he was graduating from Haverford. And when we were doing the wedding planning, she came to me and said, do you mind if I use the old vow that women make to their husbands? Um, the promise to love, cherish, honor, and obey. And I said, well, no, of course not, but why would you do that? You come from Bryn Mawr College, which was back then, you know, that was sort of one of the homes of the feminist movement. And she said, well, I really believe it, but also I know that it will really irritate my teachers. So we did it, and it did. <laughs> I heard about it. Um, when Paul writes about marriage, he is not promoting a male hierarchy that is culturally conditioned and out of step with married life. It's very important that we do not think that the divine scriptures must be radically interpreted for our own time. The truth is just the opposite. The truth of the scripture is eternal. It is rather that our world must be evaluated and viewed critically in the eye of scripture. Even the church, even in the church, those, those three verses, 22 through 24 in Ephesians chapter five, are sometimes treated as simply being too much for the people to hear. And so there's actually an alternative, shorter form of this lesson today that would eliminate those three verses that speak about wives submitting to their husbands. I, I just, I'm so totally against leaving anything out of scripture. So I insisted that we do it all. We must remember the context here. The context is very important. When Paul wrote this letter, he was writing to the Christian community in Ephesus, which was not a community that came out of the synagogue. It was not formerly Jewish people. These were mostly Gentile people that came out of the pagan world. And the city of Ephesus was one of the most pagan cities in the Roman Empire. The city had been dedicated to Artemis. We know her as Diana, the goddess of fertility. And Paul's preaching against idolatry created such a riot in Ephesus that he actually had to be rescued, Acts chapter 19. 
In pagan Roman law, a woman had little independence and few rights. She was really controlled by her father until she was married. And then from that point on, she was the property of her husband. And what the Christian church did to this pagan social structure was to utterly transform it. And this is what St. Paul was doing in Ephesians chapter 5. Note the first thing that Paul says here. He says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he is addressing not just the women, but he is addressing everybody in the congregation at Ephesus. This mutual respect and deference should characterize our relationships with each other. So we all have an obligation to be subject to one another. In other words, not to lord it over one another. And then Paul goes on to transform the way that these early Christian people should understand marriage. When he writes, wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. And when Paul is writing this, remember he's writing to a people who are living under an extreme male hierarchy. And he is saying, he's basically completely tipping the whole system upside down. And he says, we should learn to see here husbands and wives as partners with equal dignity. Just a, a little bit later, he writes to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. So Christian marriage is about mutual self-giving, and it is the call to be formed in the image of Christ. As Pope Pius XI once wrote, if the husband is the head, the wife is the heart. So you know what's going on here. It's not about keeping the women under control. Paul here sees husband and wife partners of equal dignity, and he is laying down here the basis for what we understand marriage to be. It's a sacrament. And what does a sacrament signify? The husband and the wife in their union together, they signify the relationship between Christ and his church. And that is a sacrament that speaks to the whole world. So how we live our married lives 
speaks volumes about the relationship that Christ has to his church and to his people and to his kingdom, this whole world. It is about marriage as a sacrament, about the real sign of the relationship between Christ and his church. And think about this. If this is true, and indeed it is because we've, it's been taught in scripture and it's been proclaimed in the church that marriage is a sacrament. If it is true, could the church remain truly faithful to Jesus Christ if she were to put her own wishes first? So it's not about it's not about old pagan laws about who is first and who owns everything. It is about how in a marriage relationship we reflect this, this beautiful relationship between Christ and, and his church. I was really struck once I did a retreat for men um, about marriage a few years ago, and I, we were working through this text, and I pointed out we get, we get so hooked into arguing about whether wives should be subject to their husbands that we sort of not pay attention to the most important part of this text which is that husbands are to love their wives in the way that Jesus Christ loved the church. And you know what that, count, what that is all about. That is about giving up everything, laying down your life for your wife. There is, there is no more solemn responsibility than to imitate Jesus Christ here in how he loves his church, in giving everything for his church. And so I, I pulled from, um, oh, this is a long time ago, and I'm afraid I'll be winding up quoting the church fathers to you for the next few months, but St. John Chrysostom, when he was, when he was simply a, a priest in the church of Antioch in Syria in the fourth century, in the late fourth century, he was gathering together young men, men that had come into the church from the pagan world. They'd been recently baptized. And he was trying to explain to them what their obligations and responsibilities were as husbands. And he said, you have seen the measure of obedience but now hear also the measure of love. Would you have your wife obedient to you as the church is to Christ? Well, then take care yourself that you will love her with the same love that Christ loves the church. Yes, even if it be needful for you to give your life for her, do not refuse it. So. Brothers and sisters, we must encourage each other, especially those who are married, to reflect on their relationship with their spouses. And what we're looking for is, is that active intention 
to live our marriages in such a way that it will reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. And at the end of the day, it's not about the wife's obedience. It's about being mutually submissive one to another. We give our whole lives up for the other. And this is what, what makes for such a powerful sign, a sacrament of the love that Christ has for the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.